Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're doing a, a unique twist. Usually we talk about a single rule, and if we like it or hate it, or if it's just downright dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, we're talking about the best 16 rule changes in the NFL's history. So overall, you compiled a list of your favorite or just some little notes that you took along the way of your research mm-hmm. of some of the most defining or impressive or just refreshing NFL rule changes. Um, We're just going to go through all 16, have a quick little discussion about each, maybe reminisce a little bit, maybe say if we love it or hate it. I don't know. Most of these are probably going to be pretty good just because of the title of the list. Um, But I think I'll let you lead off and start where you'd like. I'll start from the bottom and work up. So I'm going to start with number 16. And these are rules that I'm not necessarily sure they were good to put into the league or change. I like it. A little controversy. Uh, a little controversy, <laughs> but I'm going to start with the first one, um, deferring the coin toss. So um, in 2008, the NFL made a couple of changes, one of them being you could actually defer the coin toss. And mm. for those who don't know what that means, at the beginning of every game and the beginning of overtime, the referee flips a coin, and whoever wins the toss can either choose to kick or receive, or they can now defer. They basically meaning... They don't want to decide until the second half. Um, It's a weird thing that was actually introduced um, in 2008, and most teams didn't even use it. Now, now, and like it's like every time, it's every single time. Well, just about every time. If you don't get, usually, if you don't get the ball second half, you just or if you get the ball, if the coin flip favors you to get the ball first half, you defer it to them, so you get the ball the second half. So you get the second half. All teams want to have the ball starting the second half. Um, but even after this rule was put in place in 2008, most teams didn't defer. They always said, oh, we'll receive. Um, wow. You know, so now then it started gaining traction. Now, of course, um, God, it's every game. It's every game, every single coin toss. Yeah. Pretty much a team likes to defer. Not always, though. Sometimes a team will choose to receive or kick, mm-hmm. um, maybe based on the weather or based on, you know, so who knows what right but yeah um anyway so that was that's number 16 deferring the coin toss i gotta be honest i don't like this i think really? I, I, to me it's just a confusing thing i wish that they would just get away with it and if you win the toss you can choose you have to choose and you can either choose to kick or receive um i don't know why teams wouldn't just say i'm gonna kick which means they would get the ball in the second yeah. half but to me it just adds a, le- a level of complexity that i just don't think yeah I'm, I'm with you i think it's just an extra it's a coin flip with extra steps <laughs> <Right>. it's not <laughs> let's not overdo it. it yeah um but most of the time they're just like yeah whatever yeah. gets me the ball in the second half exactly if anything we'll just say like can i just take the ball in the second half and the ref will be like sure yeah right. you won the cost right okay um what do you got next next one is the end of the incidental face mask so i'm not sure if you remember but back Years ago, there used to be two types of face mask penalties. There was a five-yarder and there was a 15. Mm. The five-yarder was when your hand basically touches uh, a player's face mask, maybe not even grabbing onto it, but it just happens to incidentally brush against it. And then there was the real face mask where a a player would actually grab the face mask, whether intentional or not, of another player. That was the 15-yard penalty. The NFL said, enough is enough. We're not doing the two different ones. Every face mask penalty is a 15-yard penalty, whether you intended to or not, whether your Mm. hand happened to touch their face mask or not. doesn't matter. 15-yard penalty across the board. Wow. Okay. So I think that's good. Um, 
that's the one area that you don't mess with somebody's no. head, right? So yeah, and neck. So um, yeah, I think that's a good good call to say. Forget the incidental face mask. If your hand touches another player's face mask, fifteen yard penalty, no questions asked. Yeah, and I feel like the the thing we're also gonna have to bring up is there is contact with the face mask, but now it's full on grabbing, or when it's clear the head is moving around right. because of that action, right. they definitely will call it. But if it's like a stiff arm, I've seen stiff arms where the guy will lean in and he's Mm -hmm. trying to get to the guy. Like the running back will stiff arm a back and his stiff arm will hit him in the shoulder and he'll slide up towards the head. They won't call it on that because it's it's incidental contact. It's not meant to be vicious. But if you're going for a running back by grabbing him around the shoulders and the head, yeah. That's, you're gonna get that call. Yep, yeah, and you're right. If your hand happens happens to touch the face mask, but yeah, they no... they definitely built it out a bit. They're right. like, okay, we're still gonna call the face mask, but we also want to make sure we're not gonna call this as a face mask call because he never clocked in he on never, it, yeah, or stuff like that. Just so yeah, to brush his face. They, they've really built yeah. it out in a good way, I think. All right, number fourteen, move them goalposts. So, <laughs> um, in nineteen seventy four, the NFL finally woke up and said, "Let's move the goalposts out of the field of play." <laughs> um, I, I still laugh when I see these old film of oh, these guys so weird. having to run around the goal. It's just like, why is that in the middle of the field? But yeah, they moved yeah. the goalposts out of the end zone. Um, I think that's probably the best thing they've ever done. Oh, <laughs> as a it's so bizarre. It looks like. Like Australian, it, it looks like football yeah. in Australia or rugby, like Something, when they have the goalposts yeah. in the middle. Right. Yeah, it's just in the middle of the end zone, and guys would run around and or run into it like Wiley yes. Coyote. Yeah, it's just yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know why it took them that long to. I'm do surprised that. it's this far down the list, but I'm glad it's on here. That's <laughs> yeah. one of my favorites. All right, the next one, number thirteen, is adding a second wild card team. So oh, in okay. 1978, um, the NFL added a second wild card team to the playoff structure. Um, which is, I think, it was a great move at the time. Um, now we actually have three wild card teams, mm-hmm. um, which I think is also good. But um, it back in '78, the NFL said, "You know what? We want to add a second wild card team." And what that really did was it kept more teams in the hunt for the playoffs later in the season. If a team was around 500, they still had a shot, <laughs> rather than being out of it by Thanksgiving and now they're just playing for nothing. You know, a lot of teams were able to stay in the mix. So I think that's a yeah. great, great thing. Yeah, it just adds a little competitiveness to these teams that do get hurt but are high quality and are able to sneak back in. Right. It's fun to see those guys yep. make an opportunity for themselves. Absolutely. Um, well, what do you, else do you got? Okay, number 12, putting names on the back of jerseys. Yes. Now, obviously, we see this all the time now. Obviously, yeah. every player has their name on the back. But they didn't do that until 1970. Um, wow. Keep in mind, okay. the NFL started in 1920. So for 50 years, they did not have names on the back of jerseys. You just had their number, and you had to kind of know <laughs> who was who, right? Um, so the NFL said, uh, you know what? We're going to put the names in the back of the jerseys really as a way to promote the league. They okay. wanted players to say, hey, there's Joe Namath. There's, you know, I don't know, Fran Tarkington, that kind yeah. of stuff. So they put the names on the back of the jerseys. I wonder if it also, yeah. this is my own intuition, but do you ever think it lines up, too, with football on TV? Probably, yeah. Probably when Probably they does. really started to pick up steam on there, they were like, okay, we need to be able to tell these characters apart. Right, yes. Cause Interesting. Yeah, because you're not, I mean, you have 22 guys basically in a very small area on the field. <laughs> you need to know who's who in there. Yeah. Right? So, but still, that'd be kind of 
it's interesting to think they just didn't have names. They I mean, it's like names, high school yeah. football now. Even college right. has numbers and names yep. on the back. Um, well, not all of them, actually. No, Minnesota doesn't. Minnesota doesn't. No. So, they, yeah. Some teams are, are, I think they, and I think a lot of basketball teams don't, but I can't, I don't know. Basketball sure. does. They do. It's predominant okay. now. And the thing that's weird is in Europe, they put it in a different spot. So, traditionally, basketball names okay. are on the upper shoulders, and then the number takes up the middle of the back. Right. They flip it in Europe sometimes. Oh, so, no the kidding. number's higher up. Okay. And the name's along, like, I'm right bottom. above your waist. Okay. And that's here, and sometimes it's been in U.S. basketball. Right. Not a lot, but yep. there, there'll be some stuff. Europe's, for the most part, in lockstep with us, but they do that once in a while. Okay. What's um, interesting about that yeah. is in baseball, not all teams have the, the yeah. names on the back. Like, I yeah. don't think the Red Sox do. I think the Yankees might not either. Um, Yankees Yankees don't on some jerseys. Red Sox, I think, do on their home. Okay. The Cardinals, I think, do. Right. But there are those like really historical teams, some of them they don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is kind of cool, actually. So Yeah, it just depends on the jersey they're wearing. Yeah. Well, next one is number 11, Sudden Death Overtime. Mm. Um, so this is one I think is great. In 1974, again, not that long ago when you consider the how old the league is, but... In 1974, the NFL said, you know what, we're sick of all these ties, and let's have a sudden death overtime. And and that's why if you look back at some of the NFL records from the 50s and 60s, like a team might have three or four ties throughout the season, right? Because wow. they tied, and they got to the end of regulation, and they were tied. So the NFL added sudden death overtime. I think it's great. Overtime is one of the most exciting times in any <laughs> any game. It's just so fun because it's like anything could happen. Yeah. So no, I think that's a good good move for the league is to add sudden death overtime. Wow. Un- I can't believe it was added that late. I or know. That- 1974. Yeah. yeah. So this next one I think is a little controversial. The two point conversion. This was added in 1994. And really, yeah, wow, that's really late. It's really late. You see it a lot. Teams will go for two points a lot. It really gives a team some other options, um, especially if obviously if they're behind and they need to get as many points as they can, mm-hmm. um, they will go for two. I don't know. What do you think about the two point conversion? I actually really like it. Okay. Um, I, I like that it does give some variety to the game. I do. I wish I had the stats in front of me, but I believe I've seen that two-point conversions are not as commonly converted as we'd think. Right. Um, I think people believe that, oh, they just happen here and there and they always get it. But no, they don't usually happen a lot. Like, it's (laughs) a big gamble. It's a big gamble. I love that they usually are pulled out when the coaching staff has to be like, no, instead of going to overtime, we're winning it now. Yes. And I like how they're used. I like how they're utilized. So instead of, you know, tying the game, and going into overtime, some coaches will just say, you know what, we scored, and instead of kicking this extra point field goal, let's score again. We get two points instead of one, mm-hmm. and let's just win it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. I like that it adds a certain drama to the game. I don't like that it's overwhelming to the game. You don't see it a lot. Right. You do see it here and there. Um, and, yeah, it's just another tool in the toolbox that coaches can use to, to help balance out the game. When they are utilized, it throws me off, though, with score. Yeah. It's so weird to see an 8 nothing game. I know. <laughs> it's so... It's really yeah. weird, yeah. So, either way, I'm fine with them. I'm, I'm neither, like, hot or cold on them. I think that they're nice in the game. I just don't want to see them a million times. Right. I agree. I think there's a good balance of teams that go for one and go for two. 
I will say though that the thing I like best about the two point conversion is when they added that they moved the one point conversion, so the extra point, they moved that back. Yeah, and it it's not a gimme, believe me. Um, no, it's it's a it's it's hard. A, it's hard. Yeah, it's amazing how many teams miss that extra point, the one that for years and years it's like oh extra point, extra point, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. Now you know you see team uh, players or kickers really miss that extra point and that comes back to get them a lot so Jeez. it's pretty cool yeah crazy it was so late <laughs> yeah so number nine here personal fouls so before 1980 a player was allowed to swing or club the head neck or face of another player it was a nasty <laughs> league um yeah if you look at some of those old tapes of the raider games and stuff oh, these, I bet. I mean, it was like a boxing ring <laughs> And the NFL said, you know, we just don't want these no. guys uh, getting just I, absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Unreal. I've got to go back and watch that tape because yes. I've seen some John Madden games, but yeah. not a ton. Oh, it was. Yeah. I mean, it but, was. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. OK, then. Mm-hmm. Just thank God that was gone by an 85. Yeah. Can you imagine I mean, Richard Dent oh, and Dan, oh, and Dan oh, Hampton? Man. Yeah. What they uh, would do. It was. Yeah, Leslie Frazier. Oh, my. No, it's, uh, it's over. That was, I think that may have been, that may be one of the best things the NFL did. Was, that is was a good rule. <laughs> that is a very good rule. Um, okay, this next one you don't see much of. You actually didn't see much of it before, but they took out horse uh, collaring, what they call horse collar, which is where you tackle a player by the shoulder pads, really. Mm-hmm. If, if you ever notice when an NFL player has shoulder pads on, there's a, it looks like kind of a ring around their neck, which is the outline of the shoulder pads. You could not grab that and pull them pull down the runner or whatever so in 2005 yeah. the nfl said you know what that's a dangerous play it's almost like a face mask yeah in terms of you could really hurt someone so they said no more horse, horse collar good move i think that's fine but you didn't really see it a lot it's not like yeah in the old days when you're gonna go tackle someone the first thing you want to do is grab their their horse collar it just yeah yeah it's it's one of the plays that Everything seems to be even more dangerous when the player can't see it coming, like right. the guy with the ball. Yeah. So if you pull somebody down, especially if you grab them behind their neck right. at the base of the the neck hole yeah. or the shoulder pads and pull them back, oh, it's so scary That's, on TV. It's scary. terrifying. I remember seeing, I think it was Adrian Peterson pulled down that way when I was younger. Yeah. And just being like, whoa, yes. oh my gosh. Or Eddie Lacy. It was Eddie Lacy. Okay. And Eddie sure. Lacy was a big man. He yeah. was like 227, he was. 230, running back out of Alabama for uh, for uh, Green Bay. Yeah. And he got pulled down. And it was like watching a man just oh my disintegrate gosh. in front of you. It, wow. is, it is a scary looking hit. And it's not even really a hit. It's a pull down. It's a pull. Yeah. And all that weight's on that player's neck. And you're just... Wow. holding your breath so yeah. great rule can't believe it made it to 2005 2005 yeah um number seven moving on here the unholy <laughs> roller so um there was a game uh raiders against the chargers way back in the day ken stabler the snake uh, was the quarterback of the raiders and he was trying to score a touchdown he was not going to make it so he purposefully fumbled the ball and <laughs> Ben's favorite player of all time happened to <laughs> land on it. Who yeah, is? Yeah, Dave Casper. Dave Casper, yes. Um, the tight end the just tight fell end, onto yeah. it. So um, after, I mean, again, that's yeah, that was a good rule to put in. You can't fumble purposefully fumble the ball forward just because you're not going to make it to the end zone or whatever. <laughs> <and stuff>. so, <laughs> it's kind of funny. So anyway, wow, I. 
I have seen this play before, and it makes me want to watch it again and again yeah. and again. Because you just feel like a little kid again yeah. in the parking lot playing football with your buddies. You're like, you, you can't do <laughs> that. Can't but do at the that. same reason, you're thinking the audacity of this dude to yeah. try it. You know what? I kind of want to give it to you. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's it's such a brilliant play in the moment. But you're so glad it's gone. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Great name, by the way. Rarely yeah. do these moments have like really awesome names. Yep. The unholy roller <laughs> is a great name. Okay, this next one, I think um, I don't know. You can decide, but down means the ball is dead. So in 1955, so this goes back quite a ways. The NFL. Okay did the game a huge favor by declaring that the ball was dead immediately if the player touched the ground with any part of his body except his hands or feet. So if he lands on his knee, if he lands on his, I don't know, elbow, whatever, if, you, if you're mm. down, you're down. Before that, before 1955, a player could really, I mean, you had to be like almost, I don't know, completely laid down on the ground yeah, to be down. Yeah, you had to almost be pinned, right? Yeah, almost pinned, yeah. So a player could go down, maybe they, they brushed their knee on the ground, but then they got up and ran again, and yeah. it was just, the NFL said, no, this is, if you're down, you're down. If yeah. You're, so. Yeah. I So correct me if I'm wrong, I actually don't know this. I've always assumed that if one of your major joints hit, that was automatically you're down, because that's you're unable to move from that, right? So knees, elbows, hip. So right, knees for sure. Knees hip, for sure. Hip for sure. Elbow is part. I believe that's part of your hand. So if you oh, okay. land on your elbow, you are not down. Okay, because I always think of like a, a wide receiver catching it really low and falling, and no D back touches him, and he just stands back up. Right. Okay. So that's something different, though. If you fall on your own accord, you can get up and run in the pros. Yeah. If somebody pushes you and you, or if you hit somebody and then you fall down, you're down. So. Mm-hmm. You've seen the play where like a receiver might catch the ball, nobody's around him, and yeah. he happens to fall down. He can get up and run again. Yeah, it's but bizarre, it's, but it's, it's it's there. It's there. Yeah. So okay, interesting. Yeah. So this was. I think this is a good rule. You don't want to have it where well, did his knee really touch? You know, and things <laughs> like that. So I um, totally agree. I think it would make defenders just want to punch the ball out well, all the time. Well, that's and the then thing. Pig yeah. Pen like pig piles all the time. Pig piles. Yep. It's just not fun, yeah. and somebody's getting hurt for sure, like every other down. Right. So next one, number five on the list, unlimited substitution. So this is an interesting <laughs> one. Um, oh, God. Free substitution. So that's when you can substitute any player for any player at any time, right? You could have, well, we see this. If a team is, uh, if they get to a fourth down and they have to punt, pretty much all 11 guys come off the field and a fresh set of 11 guys come on yeah, the field. the platoon um, swap. The platoon swap, yeah. But this is funny because in 1950, the NFL restored unlimited substitution. So it was in at one time, and they said, no, you can't do that. You Whoa. can only substitute, I think it was two or three guys at a time. Um, so you'd have so guys weird. out there that would be like, I need a, I need a, you yeah, know, I need a yeah. break. No, you got to stay Johnny. out there. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, Johnny. Yeah. You're out there now. Right. You're so on an island. Yeah. So oh. that that's good. I mean, it's it's crazy now to think about how a player wouldn't be able to come out if they're if they get hurt. Well, I guess if you get hurt, you come out anyway. But um, just yeah, these players that wouldn't be able to come out because you can't substitute that now in soccer. Tell me yeah. about soccer. Soccer, you get a maximum of three. Three substitutions three per ninety game. minutes. Yeah. And so. so you really have to stagger it a lot. And that's why managers are so heavily leaned on because they have to pick the perfect 11 to play that game. Wow. And then 
the the kicker is like soccer rosters can be pretty big. So let's say you have a let's say twenty to thirty men on a roster. Okay. You can have eleven dress to play. Okay. And you are only able to have I believe it's nine on the bench to pick from, and you can only use three of those nine players. Really? So six so, of those will never play that game. They can't even play that game. Can't touch the field. And then wow. the rest of the team, you know, he just won't call on the other 12, 15 other guys. So they might not even suit up or come. So if there's, let's say there's 25 guys on a soccer team. Yeah. Is it always the same 11 that play? No. they're the best 11? Or? No. Oh. So one of the famous situations that I always think of is um, there's a really good football player, soccer player, sorry, um, named Gary Neville. Mm-hmm. And he was a twin. There was Gary and Phil. It might have been Phil, actually. But they came through Manchester United with like David Beckham, um, Nicky Butt, um, Paul Scholes, like these really good team, really good team. Um, and basically, Sir Alex Ferguson, who's a really famous manager, just mm-hmm. brilliant, the Gaffa, um, he sat Phil for four, like a month. And wow. Phil was a great back. He was a left back. He was a defender. He could really play. And he said, I'm purposely sitting you because I want you to prepare for this one game. And so they'll wow. do that from time to time where they're really? like, it's just not a good matchup for you. We're not going to play you because okay. you're this kind of player. And that's why a lot of these soccer programs will have like not just two of each, but they'll have a variety of guys that can play in different positions. Oh, I see. So, for example, because soccer is one of these weird sports that you can play a variety of positions in staggered ways. So you could have like four defenders, four midfielders, two attackers. Right. right. Or you could play three attackers, three midfielders, four defenders, or three defenders, five midfielders, two attackers, right? Right. And then goalies in that all the time. Yeah. So you can arrange it in a way that's always weird, and that's why they have such a weird variety of midfielders because that's why you want to play different shapes is what they're called, right? Okay. And then you have different kinds of strikers. You'll have a really tall one so somebody can go head it. Or you'll have a really strong one that can really like bust the line and help the guys behind okay. you get through. Um, defenders, you'll have a really quick one, but you'll also have a really physical one. Or maybe you'll go over and um, you'll have a really tall defender in the center. But then you'll have like a really lengthy, almost like a midfielder playing the right back because you need more passing so they'll, they'll mix wow. it up a lot okay um and that's why there's so much strategy in soccer because at the end of the day if something doesn't go right you only have three players to substitute in or excuse me you only have three substitutes, three substitutes and you only have nine players that you can pick from and one of them is generally going to be an extra goalie Otherwise, right. if you don't have a goalie, a field player has to come in and play goalie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I remember there was a Manchester City game. Oh, I'm trying to remember the guy. He was the left back, and the goalie got hurt. And so they pulled the left back to play. To play goalie. And the goalie was like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and this left back was like nothing. <laughs> you know, it was like 5'10", five, 5'9". Five, oh, and he, he blocked the shot, but wow. he did it. So, yeah, it's really interesting in soccer how they sub. But, yeah, there's limited substitution. In okay. high school, it's not that way. Okay. Um, college, I believe it is. And then when you get to pro, wow. it definitely is. I didn't know there was that much strategy around it. Very cool. Yeah, wait till the World Cup. You'll see it oh, in yeah. total. It's it's like politics, the way guys nice. will talk. Like, you got to play this player against this matchup because okay. of this, that, and the other. sure. All right, we have four left here. So, number four, instant replay. So, that was introduced in 1999. 
Okay. Um, it's obviously become a huge part of the game today. Um, yeah. Many plays get overturned or whatever um, because of instant replay or challenges, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a good rule. Um, I, I think it sometimes is overused a little bit. Yeah. But um, 99, they said, you know what? We have the technology now. Let's have instant replay in so we can really watch these plays frame by frame yeah. and see if a guy was in or whatever. So I have two things with this. One, I, I think it's a good rule. I think they just botch it in certain situations. They don't always know when to use it. Right. The second is this reminds me of a rule that probably won't make this list, but I think it's uh, maybe we could have a, a honorable mentions. The lines being brought in, I guess it's not technically a rule, it's technology, but the lines being brought in for the first down marker oh, right. and the line of scrimmage yeah. wasn't made for football. It was made for hockey. They were trying to highlight the puck right. so people could see it better. I remember better. that, yes. And it was like in 92, they invested all of this money into trying to get the puck to be highlighted on the ice. I mean, black puck, white ice, no one was going to catch that. But all the same, they wanted to see if they could make it more visible when it hits the stick so you knew who had it. Right. And so hockey was like, you know, we put all this in on it and we're not really loving it. Let's see who else might like this. Right. And the NFL was like, well... This might be actually kind of interesting because we'll just take those lines wow, I and never cut them that. down. Yeah. And that's how we got the first down line because you're not looking at the guys moving the chains anymore. Right. That's only for the referees. It's easier to watch the line on the TV. Yeah. yeah. And now we almost use that to death. Like the 49ers Bears game, remember this year where it got rained yes. to the point where the paint was washing off the field? Right. And they put the lines in via TV. TV and they yeah. do that in Lambo too and they used right. to do that with TCF Bank Stadium with the Vikings mm-hmm. um but yeah that originally I believe came from hockey I never knew that wow yeah, that's cool there you go the one thing I don't like about instant replay or and I guess I should clarify it's more about the challenges is in order for a challenge in order for a ruling to be overturned by a challenge you have to have indisputable indisputable evidence, evidence. Yeah. So that means whatever call is made on the field is the one you have to overturn. I don't like that because mm. it could be just, a, I mean, it, it, if it's so, um, if it's so hard to tell, how can how can you say okay that was a touchdown? We have to find enough evidence to make it not a touchdown. Mm. I, I don't like that. I think that if they go to a challenge, it should be whoever's watching this film in the booth or whatever, they make the call. Yeah. Regardless of what happens on the field, but I I think that's a good way of interpreting it in some way because yeah, a lot of times, indisputable evidence. If it's the wrong call, you want to make the the effort to make it right. Right. But if you know it's the wrong call, or you can't tell that it's the wrong call, then why are we allowing it to be wrong? Exactly. So yeah, I get you. I'm following completely. All right. Well, what do you got out? What All else right. do you got? So we got uh, the five-yard contact rule for defenders. So in 1978, um, this rule was added that really changed the game. Um, a defender was only allowed to maintain, maintain contact with a receiver within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Before mm. 1978, you could hang on a receiver the whole way down the field. Wow. Um, and now they said, no, you can, you can hit the receiver. You can have contact with the receiver. But once you get past that five yards, hands off. And I think that's, um, I mean, obviously that has made the game really what it is today with all the passing and whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's a, it's a good rule. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. I just, I that one speaks any, for itself because, yeah. yeah, you don't want 
defenders to just pull people down right off the line. Right. <laughs> it's like it's apple picking. Okay, uh, I got two left here. The, right the first one is point increases for a touchdown and decrease for a field goal. So it hasn't always been six points for a touchdown and three points for a field goal. Really? Okay. Um, in the rule changes of 1898 to 1912, <laughs> the touchdown went from being worth four points to six. So the wow. touchdown at okay. one point was only four points. And in 1904 to 1909, the field goal went from being worth five points to three. Whoa. So there okay. was a time when a field goal was worth more than a touchdown. And I'll tell you why. Because they didn't have hash marks back then. So oh, many times okay. the ball might be 10 feet from the sideline. So the angle in which these guys had to, it wasn't just straight down the middle kick like it is today. So some of these kicks were pretty darn hard to do. Oh so they said, if you can make this kick, we'll give you five points. Um, this whereas, is one of those rules yeah. that, I, I know I've told you this story, but I played old-timey baseball for uh, yeah. one day where I played without the glove. Right. It was awful. <laughs> but, oh, my God, it was fun to watch. Right. Right? I would love to see an old-time yeah. football game. Like, right. let's do Century Day where we go back to 1922 oh, and we pretend those are the football rules That's for a day. That's awesome. That would be, be hilarious so to watch some guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like do it from an angle and he's like waving his left arm yeah, trying to line it up and right. ends up just accidentally flipping a camera off because he's so upset <laughs> that he has to do this it'd be great yeah so but sorry i interrupted you anyway i think those are good it, it would be fun to see a game with these weird points uh, oh. but i mean overall yeah. it's good and then the final one i have is obviously the forward pass is legalized oh, yes um, in 1906 the so this is even before the nfl came into to be a league the forward pass was legalized, and in 1933, a passer could throw the ball from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. Before then, they had to be, I believe it was in three or five yards of the line of scrimmage be, to, to, to throw a pass. Yeah. But then they in 1933, they said, you know what? You can go anywhere you want and throw a pass as long as you're behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's... Definitely the biggest game the biggest, changer The biggest game list. changer, for sure, I think. But anyway, wow. that's that's my list of the... That's a great list. Yeah, the top 16 rule changes in NFL history. So. Wow. Unreal. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to... This is one of these lists, too, that we, we don't just do a podcast, but we always end up talking about these for, like, weeks on end afterward <laughs> right? because yeah. it's like... Oh, it would be cool to do another one of these. Yeah. I think this is going to be a list that we just are bringing up all the time. Yep. Because as we talk about history and as we talk about certain players, a lot of these rules are actually connected to certain plays or certain Mm -hmm. players that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Um, And it'll be interesting to see what else gets added on here that might be right underneath our nose. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, Well, any parting thoughts before we head out? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that'sadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another dumb rule. Mm